essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. I want to thank you for joining me this week. We took last week off because of the hustle and bustle of buying groceries, preparing the house for family to come over, and wrapping presents. I hope your family enjoyed their time together, and we're ready to get back into the world of professional wrestling. Remember to like, share, subscribe, Tell your friends about this podcast. We're going to grow this bigger. I already have a whole bunch of people that joined us over the holiday season and requested to be part of our Scumbags Wrestling pages on Facebook. You can also catch us on Twitter, on Instagram, or email at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. On this week's edition, we'll catch you up on what happened at Smash Wrestling's In Your Dreams Plus, look forward to the upcoming cards that they'll present. We look back at Ring of Honor's final battle. Look forward to Wrestle Kingdom 13 and Impact Wrestling's homecoming. Plus, then cover everything that happened over the last two weeks of WWE. I'll be right back after this quick short message. Coming April 26th to the 28th at the Ramada Inn, London, Ontario, it's Shockstock. Shockstock is London, Ontario's premier annual horror and subculture convention. Each year we bring, for a few short days, the real deal in sleaze, horror, and exploitation with celebrities, events, and vendors who know what the fans want. No insane lineups, no curfews, no problem. Enjoy jam-packed vendor rooms, a full weekend-long film festival with awards and fully stocked bar and lounge with nighttime events on-site and more. Submit your film via Film Freeway at filmfreeway.com shockstock. Presented by London's own Sultans of Slime, Vagrancy Films, The Grim Brothers Entertainment, in association with Fangora, Raven Banner, and of course, Bob's Ultimate Meats. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast, y'all. Hello and welcome back to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. This is your Smash Wrestling Report for this week. Two weeks ago, Smash Wrestling presented In Your Dreams at the Franklin Horner Community Center in Toronto. It was filmed for the Fight Network and will premiere in the upcoming weeks. Those who were in attendance that afternoon saw Carter Mason defeat Jason Kincaid. Killscreen beat two butchers in a blade. Casey Spinelli retained the British women's title over Jody Threat. Psycho Mike Rollins 
beat Kiku Taro in a comedy match. The Kevin Bennett experience defeated the Pillars. The Muscle won a fatal four-way match over John Greed, Jim Strider, and Puff. Kevin Blackwood replaced Jimmy Havoc, who had travel uh, issues, to beat Holden Albright in a hardcore match. And Daniel Garcia made Sebastian Suave tap out to the sharpshooter to take the third fall in their best-of-five series. Up next is January 11th in Kitchener at the Taste of the Tannery for Heavy is the Head. Scheduled for that card is Team PWA taking on Killscreen. Sebastian Suave faces The Muscle. Psycho Mike Rollins goes one-on-one with the remix Kevin Bennett. Casey Spinelli faces Jody Threat. The tag team champions Tyson Dukes and Brent Banks and Halal Beefcake will split off into two singles matches as Brent Banks takes on Joe Coleman and Tyson Dukes faces Idris Abraham. And the main event will have Tarek defend the Smash Wrestling Championship against John Greed and former champion Matt Cross. Once again, that's January 11th at the Taste of the Tannery in Kitchener, Ontario. Then, one of the biggest cards of the year, any given Sunday 7, from the Phoenix in Toronto, happens on January 27th. It's going to be an early afternoon show, so you can still see the Royal Rumble after the event. The card for any given Sunday 7 is still being put together, with updates coming out daily. So far, scheduled is Puff looking for payback when he faces John Greed. A three-way tag team featuring Killscreen, Fight or Flight, and the Well-Oiled Machines. Hopefully, Mike Rollins will not listen to his conscience that said he might need to turn heel. Former Smash champion Matt Cross will face off against Ray Horse. And the Smash Wrestling Championship will be online as Tarek defends against Kevin Bennett in a rematch from last month here in London. Any given Sunday 7 will be the stage where match number 4 in the best of 5 series between Daniel Garcia and Sebastian Suave will take place. Can Suave close the series or can Daniel Garcia force a 5th and deciding match? Plus, the main event will be a barbed wire hell as Kevin Blackwood will finally face hacker Scotty O'Shea. The crew over at Smash Wrestling won't have much time to let the dust settle after any given Sunday 7, as six days later, right here in London, Ontario, on February 2nd, at the London Music Hall, Smash Wrestling and Impact Wrestling join forces to present Brace for Impact, a special that will be shown live on Twitch. Scheduled to appear in that event are Sammy Callahan, OVE, Johnny Impact, Allie, Kevin Blackwood, Casey Spinelli, Tyson Dukes, Tarek, Brent Banks, Sebastian Suave, Scotty O'Shea, and many more. That's Brace for Impact on February 2nd, right here in London, Ontario, a co-branded Twitch special presented by Smash Wrestling and Impact Wrestling. For tickets for this show and all the other shows that were just mentioned, you can get your tickets by going to smash-wrestling.com. And as you know, this is the end of the year, so that means it's only right to start presenting awards for the best of 2018. You still have time to go over to our Facebook page at Scumbags of Wrestling 
and you can vote for your different categories, whether it's the male star of the year, the female star of the year, tag team, rookie, most improved, most popular, most villainous, card of the year, match of the year, guest of the year, and many more. Next week on this podcast, we'll announce who all won. So go over to our Facebook page and put your vote today. And this concludes your Smash Wrestling Report for this week. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learned all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. As was mentioned on last week's episode, Ring of Honor held final battle. The following is the results that happened that night. Kenny King defeated Eli Isom. Jeff Cobb retained the TV title over Adam Page. Kelly Klein won the Women of Honor Championship in a four-way with Madison Rain, Karen Q, and Sumi Sakai. Zack Sabre Jr. beat Jonathan Gresham. Matt Taven beat Dalton Castle. Marty Skrull won a number one contenders match against Christopher Daniels. Flip Gordon defeated Bully Ray in an I Quit match. Jay Lethal defeated Cody to retain the ROH World Championship. And the Briscoes won their 10th tag team title after winning Ladder Wars 9 over the Young Bucks and SoCal Uncensored. All of a sudden done, there was a curtain call for the Elite as they thanked the Ring of Honor fans for their time with them and are looking forward to what comes next. They didn't announce what's next, but we pretty much have an idea. Plus, they still have Wrestle Kingdom 13 to come next week. However, Marty Skrull is still around because his contract did not end with Ring of Honor and he ended up having a segment the next day at the TV tapings, which included the debut of PCO and Brody King, who will now be a part of Villain Enterprises. Jay Lethal has been announced to defend his Ring of Honor title on January 13th at Honor Reign Supreme against Dalton Castle. Also, proving ground match with Ring of Honor six-man tag team champions, The Kingdom, facing off against Shane Helms, Delirious, and Luchasaurus. With the departure of the Elite members, Young Bucks and Cody from Ring of Honor, they brought in some new talent, including, as I said, PCO and Brody King, who joined Marty Skrull, but there's also talk of bringing in Mark Haskins, Bandito, and possibly Zack Sabre Jr. and Juice Robinson. So, even though Ring of Honor has lost the Elite, they are gaining new members 
to help fill out their roster. Cody Rhodes just recently tweeted a picture of his weightlifting belt that he'll use for Wrestle Kingdom 13. It says, won't back down, as in the same font and colors as the Jacksonville Jaguars. The photo has since been deleted. It's only a matter of time before the big announcement is made. And that announcement could be as early as January 1st, because Matt Jackson also posted a picture on his Twitter with a countdown that ends on New Year's Day. Looks like these could be announcements from the Young Bucks and Cody on Tuesday. It's also been reported that All Elite Wrestling filed for a trademark for Fight for the Fallen is still expected to be an official announcement in a couple days. There is a report that Impact Wrestling contacted the group that might be heading up the All Elite Wrestling project, looking for them to buy Impact. The AEW people turned down that offer. Speaking of Impact Wrestling, they're leaving Pop TV in the United States. This next episode will be their last episode on Pop. It'll feature their go-home show, leading them to their next pay-per-view, Homecoming, January 6th at the Asylum in Nashville, Tennessee. The last two episodes of Impact have been their best-of shows, just to stretch out for time before they do their go-home show. Then, on Friday, January 11th, at 10 p.m., on both the Pursuit Network in the United States and Fight Network here in Canada, Impact will be moving to that time slot. That episode will cover the fallout from Impact Homecoming. As far as Homecoming, this is the card that they have presented so far. Eddie Edwards will take on Moose in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Abyss will take on Eli Drake in a Monsters Ball match. LAX defends their tag team titles against the Lucha Brothers. Jake Kreese, Ethan Page, Trey Miguel, and Rich Swan face off in an Ultimate X match for the vacant X Division Championship. Was Tessa Blanchard will defend against Taya Valkyrie for the Knockouts Championship with Gail Kim as a special guest referee since Tessa Blanchard hasn't been able to control herself. And the main event will see Johnny Impact take on Brian Cage for the Impact Championship. Brian Cage has dropped his X Division title for this title shot. Impact Wrestling's homecoming event will happen on January 6th and is available on pay-per-view or on the Fight TV app. Also available on the Fight TV app will be on this Friday, January 4th, as Wrestle Kingdom 13 happens from the Tokyo Dome. The pre-show will have the never-open-weight six-man tag team gauntlet match, and it'll start at 2 a.m. here in the Eastern Time Zone, with the main show starting at 3 a.m. The main show is scheduled for four hours, starting at 3 a.m., and it will feature Kota Ibushi taking on Will Ospreay for the Nether Openweight Championship. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles will be online in a three-way match as Suzuki Gun takes on Rapungi 3000 and Bushi and Takaji. Tomohiro Ishii will face off against Zack Sabre Jr. for the British Heavyweight Championship. The Gorillas of Destiny will face off against Evil and Sonata and the Young Bucks for the IWGP Tag Team titles. The IWGP U.S title will be on the line as Juice Robinson faces off against Cody. 
Koshida will go one-on-one -on -one with Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Okada faces Jay White. Chris Jericho defends the IWGP Intercontinental title versus NATO, and the main event sees Kenny Omega versus Tanahashi for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. All that will happen this Friday from the Tokyo Dome starting at 2 a.m. here in North America in the Eastern Time Zone, and you can catch that all live on the Fight TV app. On the next episode, we'll have predictions for the Wrestle Kingdom 13 show and Impact Wrestling Homecoming. Plus, with any luck, there should be an announcement made about what's going on with Cody and the Young Bucks and the speculation of All Elite Wrestling. Speaking of announcements... Chris Jericho announced the other day that there will be a second Rockin' Wrestling uh, Rager at sea with more details to come in the coming weeks. He, too, is probably waiting for the announcement involving All Elite, which will all tie in together with his crews. There was also a report this week that Tanahashi has signed a contract extension with New Japan Pro Wrestling. It is unknown whether or not Kenny Omega is staying with New Japan or not. And we'd also like to send out a congratulations on the recent engagement of Jordan Grace to Jonathan Gresham, who just recently got engaged during their vacation together. Do you like things a little hot and spicy? Well, come to the first annual Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo, March 2nd, 2019 at Centennial Hall. Heatwave Hot Sauce Expo is Southwestern Ontario's home of heat. Enjoy your sauce and spicy food from over 40 international producers. All vendors are providing free samples of their sauces on nachos or pretzels, or you can buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you'd like with hundreds of choices available from our vendors. Fans attending get a totally unique experience with an 80s theme motif and atmosphere on the show floor. The event will be licensed with craft beers and spirits available for consumption to pair with your perfect sauce. As well, live podcasts, demonstrations, and competitions for those who wish to test their limits will take place on the heatwave stage. For fans of spice or those just seeking an afternoon of heat, heatwave is your place to go. Heatwave takes place Saturday, March 2nd at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, Canada. Tickets available right now. Last weekend, WD presented the TLC event on the WD Network. People did quite well with the predictions, with only a few results throwing people off. On the kickoff show, Buddy Murphy retained the Cruiserweight title over Cedric Alexander. Elias captured his guitar that was hanging above the ring in a ladders match over Bobby Lashley, who had Leo Rush by his side. Originally, it was stated that whoever captured the guitar could use it as a weapon. I guess due to time constraints or what, for whatever reason, they ended up just saying whoever captured the guitar would end up winning the match. Of course, Elias got his guitar, but then... Lashley took it and hit him with it. On the main show, the finals of the Mixed Match Challenge happened as Carmella and R-Truth beat the team of Jinder and Alicia Fox. 
It was announced that they could choose their own destination for their vacation, and Carmella wasn't in the know of this, and R-Truth said that he had it covered and chose Stamford, Connecticut as their destination for their vacation. So we should be looking forward to seeing some interesting skits happening at WWE headquarters. The Bar retained their SmackDown tag team titles over the Usos and New Day. Of course, this was a really good match since all three teams know each other quite well. Braun Strowman won a TLC match over Baron Corbin by pinfall. Of course, Braun wasn't cleared to be part of the match and came out to the ring with his arm still in a sling from his elbow surgery. That didn't matter because a TLC match has no rules, so that allowed Kurt Angle to come out, Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, Apollo Crews, and even the referee, Heath Slater, were able to get involved, and they took out Baron Corbin, allowing Braun Strowman to pin him with just one foot. Natalia beat Ruby Riot in a tables match. She ended up putting Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan through a table as well, and had her dad's jacket and another table with Ruby's face on it underneath the ring. It told a really good story, and it was a good result, with Natalia finally getting past Ruby Riot. In a very competitive, yet surprise uh, finish, Finn Balor pinned Drew McIntyre after the coup de grace. It was kind of surprising, and I think a lot of us got that one wrong, since Drew has been basically back to his chosen one status, but Finn Balor ended up getting the win. This might be a sign of things to come in this new regime or new direction that they're going to try and do with WWE. Rey Mysterio beat Randy Orton in a chairs match, and Rey even used the chair with his whole sliding thing, almost like a toboggan, to hit Randy on the outside. And Rousey made Nia Jax tap out while she looked at Tamina and used the arm bar. Surprisingly, these two actually work really well together, even though Ronda is relatively new and Nia is still quite sloppy in her work. Daniel Bryan retained his WWE Championship over AJ Styles in a really good and long, almost 25-minute match that was very scientific, I'd say, and very competitive. And it was almost old-school sort of mat wrestling, which really got the fans involved. And it was probably one of the best, if not the best, match of the night. But then we ended up going right behind that with the Intercontinental title as Dean Ambrose beat Seth Rollins to become the new champion. Unfortunately, I think due to where it was positioned on the card, fans were burnt out from the Daniel Bryan-AJ Styles match. The style that the two were doing was rather slower and methodical-paced, not a fast pace that you would normally expect from a Seth Rollins match. So the fans started chanting their board. And as I said, it doesn't help that they followed up behind Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. They'd been there for a few hours already, and they really wanted to see Becky Lynch and the first ever women's TLC match. So they were in a bad position. I think the match could have been better, or at least what received better from the audience had it been actually earlier in the card than what it was. 
and they could have put something else in between those other two matches. And in a very hard-hitting spot fest of a match, Asuka ended up capturing the SmackDown women's uh, title from Becky Lynch as both Becky and Charlotte were fighting on top of the ladder, and Ronda Rousey came out to sort of seek revenge on both Charlotte and Becky. She pushed the ladder over. That allowed the other ladder to be used by Asuka to climb up and claim the SmackDown title for herself. Of course, this probably is going to aim for some sort of match, whether it's a three-way or one-on-one matches, but more than likely a three-way culminating in the main event of WrestleMania 35. Overall, I would say this was a really good way to end the year, and considering all the bad TV that we've been getting on Raw lately, this somewhat made up for it. Are you looking for your own Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt so you can show off your Scumbags pride at your next local independent wrestling event? Well, I got the answer for you. You can go check out my friend Daryl over at Twisted Tees. He produces high-quality t-shirts with the most amazing up-to-date technology for printing shirts. And for just $25, you can get your own shirt. Whether it's a parody logo of Superstars Wrestling, Raw's War, the Survivor Series, a design inspired by Brock Lesnar's Suplex City, or the All In event, you can go check out Daryl and get your own shirt. You can be found at twistedteesmerch.com. Show your pride today, order a t shirt, and stand out above the crowd. Some of the TV highlights for this week included the fact that Vince McMahon said he was going to come to Raw to address the audience. This usually happens every time that there seems to be a lull in creative and there's a need for a boost. And it actually usually does boost up ratings whenever Vince shows up, even at 73. So with that said, he showed up at the start of Monday Night Raw and he admitted that things need to be changed. And that at this point in time, he can't do it all by himself. So he ended up bringing out Stephanie. Then he brought out Triple H. And then he even brought out Shane McMahon, who's supposed to be the general manager over on SmackDown. They said they were going to enter into a new era where they're actually going to listen to the fans. And the fans are the actual authority of the show. I'm wondering if in a way without them actually saying it, that when Vince said that he can't do it by himself anymore, is this is phase one of him stepping away because he also wants to focus on the XFL. And if this is his way of stepping partly away and allowing Stephanie, Triple H, and Shane to have some say instead of everything going to him and having the final say, there will be an actual change coming. It won't happen overnight. It's not going to be on next week's episode. It wasn't even going to be on this episode that we were about to see. But in the new year, there could be a change coming our way and a new focus where it's a mixture of what Vince sees 
and what we're seeing also through Triple H's vision with 205 Live and NXT. So after all that was said and done, out came Baron Corbin trying to plead his case and say that he still wanted another shot. They reluctantly agreed to give him another shot and said, though, that he'd have to beat Kurt Angle. Then they introduced Heath Slater as the special referee. And partway through the match, they end up saying it was a handicap match, which allowed Apollo Crews and the tag team champions of Bobby Roode and Chad Gable to come on out and help as well. And then, of course, Heath Slater was able to get involved since it was an ODQ match that way. And this just kept on going until they really all just beat down Baron Corbin again like they did the night before. Drew McIntyre interfered in the Dolph Ziggler-Finn Balor match. So they'll have a three-way next week on Raw, or tomorrow night on Raw, should I say. Dean Ambrose had an open challenge for the IC title after Seth Rollins never answered his being called out. And so Dean said he'll challenge anybody who's not named Seth Rollins to the Intercontinental title. And out came Prince Pretty, Tyler Breeze, to accept that challenge. Unfortunately, Tyler was not enough uh, to handle Dean Ambrose, and he lost the match. Later on, Seth Rollins revealed himself as one of the uh, guys that are at ringside with Dean Ambrose with the gas mask on and attacked the other guy and Dean, but Dean ended up escaping. There's a video package with a list of NXT call-ups that are going to be coming because Triple H said there'll be new faces and new matches going to be happening in this new regime. So as part of that, we are going to see Lars Sullivan, who has already been announced, EC3, Lacey Evans, Nikki Cross, and Heavy Machinery. It's still unknown what brands those three guys are going to go to, but we'll find out in the coming weeks. Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush were in the ring cutting a promo, and Elias attacked them from behind and hit a guitar over Bobby Lashley's back in revenge for what happened the night before. The Revival ended up winning a number one contenders match. It was a four-way match with Lucia House Party, AOP, and the B-Team. Videos were shown also for the impending returns of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And then Ronda Rousey issued an open challenge of, of her own to defend her Raw women's title. But all the women backstage were trying to fight to go out there and be that challenger. And Stephanie said, nope, sent them all out and announced that Ronda was not going to defend the title tonight and that she was going to end up facing the winner of a gauntlet match the following week on the Christmas Eve edition of Raw. So there was an eight-women gauntlet match, which in the end, Natalia ended up winning. Ronda Rousey came out and congratulated her, held their uh, hands up, and the show closed with an emotional Natalia. Over on SmackDown, Shane McMahon had a meeting backstage with everybody and said that things are going to continue like they were at Raw and announced that, unfortunately, Paige was no longer going to be general manager and was going to be assigned a new role. Becky Lynch 
was in the ring and called out Ronda for what happened at TLC, but Charlotte came out instead and told Becky that she had to get in line as she uh, wanted Ronda too. Vince told them that they had to put that aside and move forward, and Naomi came out and asked if she could have a title match against Asuka, which was granted to her. So we ended up having Asuka versus Naomi in a really good competitive match, which showed that Naomi actually can do more than what she has been shown to in shorter matches. But in the end, Asuka caught her in the Asuka lock and made Naomi tap out. Jeff Hardy had come out to the ring to confront Samoa Joe, but Joe came out and said he'd rather do an intervention for Jeff. They will have a match on the Christmas edition of SmackDown. The Miz was backstage and asked Vince McMahon for his blessing to be tag team with Shane McMahon. Instead, he was given a tag team match with Mandy Rose's partner taking on R-Truth and Carmella, which they ended up winning when R-Truth lost to The Miz after a skull-crushing finale. The Usos took on the Good Brothers, but as the bar came out, Sanity came through the crowd and attacked the Usos and the Good Brothers. The bar also then came down to the ring to attack the two teams. There'll be an eight-man tag on SmackDown this week. It was also announced that Mustafa Ali will now be a permanent member of the SmackDown roster. He teamed with AJ Styles to take on WWE Champion Daniel Bryan and Andreas Cien Almas. The finish came when Mustafa Ali pinned Daniel Bryan after hitting the 045 that missed its mark by a bit and hit Daniel in the head. It was a great way to end the show and Mustafa Ali is already establishing himself as a main event player, even though he's in that 205 range. Then on Wednesday, there was the NXT show, which had Dakota Kai and Io Shirai beating Marina Shafir and Jasmine Duke, plus Johnny Gargano beat Aleister Black in a steel cage match. Tommaso Ciampa had come out and attacked Aleister Black too, and Gargano had returned to the ring, to team up with Ciampa to take out Black. Both guys looked at each other as the show went off the air. But also on Wednesday was the Tribute to the Troops uh, show. That was filmed at Fort Hood and saw the New Day, R-Truth, and Carmilla handing out uh, gifts. Ronda Rousey and Natalia beat the Riot Squad and Nia Jax and Tamina in a three-way tag team match. Elias and Finn Balor beat Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. Becky and Charlotte were on The Miz TV and it turned into a tag team match as Becky and Charlotte teamed to go against Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Becky and Charlotte ended up winning the match. Plus, then in the main event, AJ Styles and Seth Rollins teamed to take on the team of Dan O'Brien and Dean Ambrose. All in all, it was a decent week for action, but we have to see what's going to happen when the new faces show up and everything that they have planned gets put into motion with this new vision of the fans being the authority and them actually listening to what we want.
Want to be a wrestler? The time is now to join the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. The first class is going to graduate in October, and it's going to leave a lot of open space. Learn from one of Canada's best wrestlers and trainers around. Tyson has been wrestling since 1997 and has wrestled for Blood, Sweat, and Years, Border City Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, WWE, was part of the first Cruiserweight Classic, and one of the longest reigning champions for Smash Wrestling. Tyson just recently spent a week in Florida as a guest trainer at the WWE Performance Center. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory is located at 309 Exeter Road in London, Ontario, and is open every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday evening from 6 p.m. to 8.30. Find out why Tyson is one of the pillars of Smash Wrestling. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory teaching the new generation of hopefuls into superstars. That last segment that was recorded was done just before Christmas time in an effort to try and get a show out. Unfortunately, life got in the way and we didn't get a show out in time. However, up next is the highlights from this week on WWE TV. This week's highlights for the Christmas Eve edition of Raw saw Elias sing a song about how much Lashley sucks, and he actually got most of it in before even getting interrupted. This led to a miracle on 34th Street Brawl match between the two. It was almost like a what's-in-the-box match from Smash Wrestling, with boxes being opened and having numerous things in it. One of the boxes even included some Lego which Leo Rush poured on the mat, but it was Lashley who landed up in the pile. Leo was even put through a table, and Elias found a bowling ball, which he used on Lashley, and a cello in a box, and smashed it over Lashley's head, allowing him to get the pinfall victory. Elias then stuffed cookies into Leo Rush's mouth and poured eggnog all over him. Bobby Roode and Chad Gable retained the Raw Tag Team titles by defeating The Revival. Finn Balor won a three-way match over McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. Vince McMahon dressed up as Santa to announce that John Cena was back on Raw and SmackDown and announced him as the greatest of all time. He also said that Drew McIntyre would face off against Dolph Ziggler in a steel cage match next week. Plus, the women's tag team titles are coming to WWE in 2019. Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Ember Moon teamed up to go against Alicia Fox, Mickey James, and Dana Brooke, with the faces winning that match. Paul Heyman came out to sing his own version of Silent Night, saying that Brock will not get these hands. Braun Strowman came out and put a red nose and antlers on Paul Heyman and asked Paul to send a message to Brock that he will get these hands at the Royal Rumble. There was a very good competitive match between Natalia and Ronda Rousey, as Natalia had won the gauntlet match the week before to challenge for the Raw Women's title. These two knew each other very well, as it's been noted that Natalia has been Ronda's training partner in the gym to get Ronda ready for the WWE. Unfortunately, in the end, it was Natty who tapped out to Ronda with the armbar. He Slater defeated former 3MB partner Jinder Mahal 
by disqualification when the Singh brothers interfered. Santa made his way to the ring to save Slater from a three-on-one situation. He hit Jinder with a gore and revealed himself to be Rhino. Both Rhino and Slater celebrated as he'd been forced to, into retirement after Baron Corbin had them face each other. Seth Rollins defeated Baron Corbin in the main event. Over on SmackDown, R-Truth and Carmella dressed up like Santa and Elf. They were confronted by Dan O'Brien, who wanted to do his environmental best to say that if things continued, there wouldn't be a North Pole in 20 years for Santa to live at. Truth reminded O'Brien that he has the number 30th spot for the Royal Rumble, and he could go after his title at WrestleMania if he happens to retain. Brian said the truth can't even count to 30, and then there was a quick dance break, but that allowed Daniel Bryan to attack R-Truth and put him in the lapel lock. Mustafa Ali beat Almas with the 045, and the Usos and Good Brothers beat the bar and Sanity after the Good Brothers hit the Shatter Machine on Cesaro. Backstage, Mustafa Ali was welcomed to SmackDown by Sheldon Benjamin. While they were talking, Daniel Bryan attacked Mustafa Ali. The Miz had a Miz TV segment with his special guest, Shane McMahon. He basically went on to say that he wanted to team with Shane because this is his father's dream and wants to do it for his dad. And Shane said he does things because he wants to honor his dad, Vince. So they both agreed that they will now be a tag team to honor their fathers. So basically, Miz is now a face because the fans were chanting yes because of this unity between Shane and Miz. Samoa Joe beat Jeff Hardy by disqualification as their match went to the outside and Jeff ended up using a chair on Joe. But Joe recovered and put Jeff into the Coquina clutch. Rusev finally beat Shinsuke Nakamura to become the United States champion. And oddly enough, the broadcast of that happened to be on Christmas Day, which was Rusev's birthday. So happy birthday, Rusev. You have yourself a United States Championship. The show closed with Vince McMahon confronting AJ Styles in the back. He wanted to know why AJ wasn't even on the card and who AJ really was. And AJ tried to explain that he's the greatest champion that they've ever had. And Vince didn't believe him and wanted to get him fired up and see the beast come without AJ Styles, or come with, come from within AJ Styles, should I say. And he fired up and slapped AJ across the face, which AJ retaliated with a punch to Vince, sending him to the ground as he yelled over top of him and sort of roared like an animal. We had uh, Jamie Noble and a couple others come in and take AJ away, as Vince kind of laid on the floor, happy about what he ended up doing. And that was Raw and SmackDown for this past week. Hello, do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services.
And in our final bit of WD news, just after Christmas break, WD got back on the road, and they started off with a host show at MSG and one in Chicago. The MSG show had very low attendance for a WD show, drawing just over 11,000 people. And that card featured Ronda versus Nia, the return of John Cena, a cage match for the IC title with Ambrose and Rollins, plus a great 10-man NXT tag team match with one side having Pete Dunne, Ricochet, Alistair Black, Velveteen Dream, and Matt Riddle, taking on the team of Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and the Undisputed Era. If these 10 guys ever make it back up to the main roster for a longer stay than just one show, oh my god, this is going to be an amazing time when they get up there, as long as we still have Triple H directing how they go. Over in Chicago, they drew just around 6,000 people and even saw people leaving before the end of the show happened. And they had Brian versus Styles in a steel cage match, Orton versus Mysterio, Rusev defending the U.S. title against Nakamura, plus a three-way for the women's title with Asuka, Becky, and Charlotte. I don't know what's going on, why people are turning their back, so heavily on WWE, it's not like the product is that terribly bad. Yes, there's been some bad decisions and maybe some bad booking, but it's a house show. You get better action on a house show that is not storyline dictated like Raw and SmackDown is. And if you're disappointed with the stories, I get that. Each their own. But when you go to a house show, you're getting more action. And why, with these matches... Did people walk out or not even pay for attendance is beyond me. Apparently, outside MSG, Enzo Amore showed up again and was taking photos with fans before he went to a comedy club to do his show. He explained during that show that he only invaded the Survivor Series to piss Vince McMahon off, not to get publicity for his music show that was happening later on that night. I don't know whether we believe him or not, because at the same time, if he's out to piss Vince McMahon off, it almost seems as though he wants to get back into the WWE. Yet, as we heard at Comic-Con, he doesn't want to wrestle anymore. So I hope the guy makes up his mind and decides what he wants to do. Whether his album is horrible, that's up for debate. But if he's going to be trying to get back into wrestling, try somewhere else and then get back in the good books with Vince. If that's what your ultimate goal is. Or just... Walk away. While we're on the topic of annoyances, WD announced the signing of former NFL star Pat McAfee. He has previously been on the kickoff show on different panels, and he is dumb as a brick. You can tell that he's maybe taking way too many hits to the head, even though I believe he's only a punter or something like that. But the guy... Might be a lifelong WWE fan, but he makes Jonathan Coachman and everybody else seem better. It's unknown at this time what his role will be. More than likely, he'll try being down in NXT and being a part of that show, whether it's backstage things or even doing, I guess he does a podcast. Maybe he'll get to do something with the network. Either way you look at it, we're stuck with Pat McAfee for a little while. Grandma Leak teased on Twitter that he's leaving WWE soon. He even put 
comments disparaging what he'd been doing recently, including the Lucha House Party rules and just the total booking. So if he's out there doing that, I don't see how long he will actually be staying with WWE. WWE recently announced some awards for the year ending. I'm hoping that these are not the actual awards and that means that they're not going to do any slammies. And they, these are some sort of writer's awards for from the WWE website or something like that. But the awards were as follows. Male Superstar of the Year, Braun Strowman. Female Star of the Year, Becky Lynch. Tag Team of the Year, The Bar. Rivalry of the Year, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Match of the Year was Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair in a last woman standing match. The return of the year went to Dean Ambrose. Best diss went to Ronda Rosa telling Nikki Bella, the only door you ever knocked down was the door to John Cena's bedroom. Shocking moment was Randy Orton tearing at Jeff Hardy's ear. Funniest moment, Titus O'Neil tripping down the runway at the greatest Royal Rumble. Best reunion was The Shield. Best on the mic, Paul Heyman. Breakout star of the year was Elias. Brand of the year, Raw, which I kind of doubt that one. It'd probably be NXT. The GM of the year was Paige. Most underrated was Naomi. And the most hated was Corbin, Aaron Corbin. Hopefully some of these awards will be corrected if they actually do the Slammies, but if not, these are your awards for WWE for this year from the WWE themselves. The first NXT show of 2019 is listed as a two-hour event happening from 8 until 10. It'll be used to hype up the next NXT TakeOver special happening during the Royal Rumble. It'll also feature Matt Riddle versus Cassius Ono, and also the NXT awards for the year. Maybe those awards are separate from the awards that I just read because that only dealt with basically the main roster of Raw and SmackDown, and these awards will be for NXT. My question is, is this two-hour show a setting up for future two-hour shows with the stacked roster that NXT already has and not enough space to send them all the way up to the main rosters of Raw and SmackDown? NXT definitely could use an extra hour. Drake Maverick announced on this week's edition of 205 Live that there'll be a fatal four-way match for the Cruiserweight title at the Royal Rumble, with Buddy Murphy defending the title against the winners of the next three weeks' main events. Next week will be Kalisto versus Leo Rush. The following week, Akira Tozawa taking on Drew Gulak, and finally, Cedric Alexander taking on Hideo Itami. The winners of those three matches will be all thrown into a match to go against Buddy Murphy at the Royal Rumble. Mauro Ranallo announced that he'd been in a car accident this past Sunday. He ended up hitting a tree, but said that everything was okay and that nobody was terribly injured. He also said his time wasn't up and he still had more to do. So we'll see Mauro back on January 3rd during the NXT tapings. And finally for this week, I want to send out best wishes and congratulations to Akira Tozawa, Leo Rush, Sarah Logan, Roe of the War Raiders, and 
Zelina Vega and Alistair Black on their recent marriages. Logan and Roe had a Viking-style marriage, and Zelina Vega and Alistair Black have not officially mentioned that they are married, but it is known that they had done so privately. So congratulations to all four couples on their marriage. Canada's original and best horror weekend, Shockstock, the all-nighter freighter, comes to London Ramada in April 26th to the 28th. Already announced for the event is Sleazy P. Martini of Guar, and he's coming to Shockstock 2019. So you want to meet the manager with the mostest? You're going to get your wish. The Art of Clown, David Howard Thorne, makes his way to Shockstock. Don't you dare miss it. April 26th to the 28th, 2019, London, Ontario, the Ramada Inn, it's Shockstock. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. I want to thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, however you spend it. I'll be back in just a few days with results from the awards for Smash Wrestling, a review of WWE, my picks of the best of and worst of, along with preview and predictions for Wrestle Kingdom 13 and Impact Wrestling's Homecoming. I wish you all a very happy new year, and if you drink, do not drive, and we want to see you in the new year as we experience more great professional wrestling, whether it's from the independents or from the majors. Be sure to check us out on our Facebook page. You can still vote for your Smash Wrestling awards, and you can catch us on Twitter, Instagram, email me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com if you have something you'd love to see added. This is your show as well, so join us, Facebook as well, whether it's through our group page or through our podcast page. Your interaction is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, have a great uh, day. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. I can't help.